When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the way the world ends, Stoppies. (laughs) Oh, that's so ridiculous. Not with a bang, (laughs) but with a a woman named Strawberry Fields electrocuting Steven Tyler, who was choking out Peter Frampton. And then herself falling to her death for no reason. No reason Just tripping onto his dead body. Aren't we all, Stoppies? Aren't we all? Love, we don't get to explore this era that much, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a shame because, like, that is a t- period of time where everything that happened in culture uh, was solely the result of everyone in power being on way too much cocaine. So speaking of just how much cocaine was involved in the creation of the late 70s and specifically of this this album and this movie, which by the way is the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band movie soundtrack. Yes. Yes. Which <laughs> It's we, a lot of words. It's a lot of words. <laughs> it's a lot of minutes. It's a lot of minutes. It is. It's an entire movie length album. It's double sh- album. Unbelievably so. Um, because the movie itself does not have dialogue. Nope. This not this doubles not only is the film soundtrack, but it's like the physical the soundtrack, like the sound wave that is printed onto the film. Um, uh, so yeah. and just and, with George Burns's uh, narration <laughs> removed, <laughs> who somehow has been dead for like his whole career. <laughs> like I don't know. Well, the only thing that I know about George Burns is that he's always old, <laughs> and that seems to be true. Yeah, he, he, he was seventy-two years old when they no eighty-two years old when they made that movie. Movie, I'm pretty he's sure. Like, made this movie. Yes. Because Jesus Christ. I recall 20 years after this movie coming out, 
Dr. Dre saying, look at the store clerk. She's older than George Burns. Was he already dead at that point? I thought he was still, or was he 102? He died died in 96 at age 100. Oh, my God. Oh, God. So, yeah, it's an old man. He was like an old man. He was like a, a raunchy comedian, right? He was basically like Bob Saget, like with a cigar and, and a, a bow tie, right? Something like that. Yeah. We're off. We're getting off track. I, one thing that we should do before we get any further this into this and how much make cocaine. Make George, yeah. the George Burns podcast. <laughs> yes, I was just about to say, probably should introduce ourselves and say who the fuck we are. This is Make It Stop, Bad Music. Good times. And I'm Heather Mack. And I'm Mike Dunn. And uh, we, as we mentioned, are going to be talking about this fucking late 70s cocaine nightmare. This whole process, this whole movie, the whole existence of it is so confounding and we're going to talk a lot about it. But basically the gist of it is that for some reason, actually no, for cocaine, um, because of cocaine reasons, uh, people thought that it was a good idea to create a fake musical I say fake because it, it seems like even though this was made that it's like a, a fever dream um, about that like very loosely, loosely based on songs already recorded and popularized by one of the most uh, famous bands in the world ever, the Beatles, um, and songs from Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper's. Uh, Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original. And 10 years after these songs were made already extremely popular and definitely have not left the public consciousness, they decided, these people, cocaine, decided like, okay, let's make a musical using this music as the soundtrack, but let's cast the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. Now, it was actually, just so you know, this whole thing was like the brainchild of the guy who managed both B- the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. And he right. said, my boys are huge. What can I do to get them even huger? I had no idea that they had the same manager for Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. Yep. And, and wasn't it, it was produced by George Martin. George Martin was involved with this recording, which is he was. A wild to me that he would actually sanction such a horrible thing. Yeah, he was like... Uh, he was a producer of all the, of the soundtrack yeah, itself. Yeah. He, was, he had a heavy hand in it, I think. He did, and he... <laughs> later rooed his involvement in Sergeant Pe- <laughs> Pepper. Yeah, as um, did everyone involved, as did everybody I'm sure. As we were saying about cocaine, so the Bee Gees... Everyone involved was on it, a lot of it. <laughs> this was from the Wikipedia article about this. And there's a lot of choice quotes, but this was one of them. Um, the Bee Gees blamed their declining popularity in part on their involvement with the whole project, coupled with their mutual struggles with drug addiction. The latter was exacerbated by the environment of making the film and its soundtrack, with Maurice Gibb expressing shock at seeing crew members carrying around full bags of cocaine <laughs> around the set. And then Robin Gibb, in particular, spent much of this period having to dose himself with barbiturates to even be able to sleep. So this is where we're at, Stoppies. This is the, this is the fertile soil for remaking um, a classic into yeah. some like Xanadu hallucination. I don't <laughs> understand it. But. I will. I will say. Yeah, I watched one of the scenes from the movie. I watched the Mr. Kite scene, and um, they looked pretty tired. I don't think they had slept. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, they hadn't had their daily dose of barbiturates. That's right. Um, not yet. They keep working. Dance, monkey, dance. All, All right. right. So, joining us. Yes. To discuss this 
in insanity, this insanity, insanity, uh, is uh, from Have a Nice Life, Consumer, and Giles Corey, Joe Streeter. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate being on the uh, the podcast here. Woo woo! Talking Good about to- talking about uh, the songs of one of my favorite bands being butchered by a bunch of uh, people on cocaine in the late seventies. Bunch yeah. of fucking hacks. So you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you're a big Beatles guy. Beatles are my favorite band. They're 1A, Nirvana's 1B. Uh, I've, I've read books on the Beatles. I've read books on Nirvana. I'm pretty obsessed with both of those bands. So uh, when you, when Mike uh, proposed that the, uh, the, this was the album that we were going to be talking about today, I thought it was going to be an incredible experience. And then I listened to the record and said, oh, my God, I didn't realize it's a double record. I have to get through this whole thing. <laughs> 82 minutes long. It was a lot. It was a lot. Because it's literally the length. Actually, no, the length of the film is somehow longer, but there is still no dialogue. No, again, it's all George Burns. So so unpopular opinion, I'm actually not that big of a fan of Sgt. Pepper's, the original, uh, as a Beatles record. I still think it's incredible. I just don't think it's on the top of their of their achievements, but I do think Abbey Road is one of their best records. So it was even it was even more painful for me to get through this whole thing because I love that album. Yeah, the, the Sgt. Pepper's album is not long enough to make a movie with. Nope. So, if, but that didn't stop them. <laughs> that, no, that didn't. there were so many different like way like red flags along the way that it's just mind blowing to think it truly is. It, it it was it's the cats of its generation, and we're I I have well, a lot of comparisons. It's also <laughs> it's also the across the universe of its generation. Yes. Like it never became any better of an idea to make a Beatles musical no. after this, and it keeps fucking happening. Oh my god, you're right. I forgot or about yesterday. Across the yeah. Oh yesterday, yeah, yeah. That's yesterday. A new one. Yesterday. Did you guys hear about that? I mean, that yeah, one is yeah. also the the, tr- the one I, where it's like the guy. Uh, Realized that he's the only person in the world who knows, knows about the Beatles. Beatles. It's the invention of lying plus the Beatles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's as if, like, the forgotten members of Destiny's Child decided to do a recreation of Lemonade where they turn it into a variety show set in a child's amusement park. The less talented compatriots of, uh, of an era remaking an album and then, like, loosely scripting. Even that word feels unfair to I call that a script Frampton what they did Frampton and the Bee Gees weren't Beatles contemporaries well, the, really either yeah, they're, the Bee Gees kind of were no not con- not contemporaries in this I guess yeah popularity wise like the the Bee Gees we're not on the same level as the Beatles, but they weren't like nobodies. But, and they, were, and but they were teenagers when the Beatles broke out. Yeah. Right, right. They, they were, and then you know the music they were making. They were on this like disco white, you know, blue eyed sold sort of kick. Them, them and Frampton both. Well, the remarkable thing is, like, a lot of this album isn't completely horrible musically. A lot of it actually is very true to the music in the mm. recording, like, of, of, like, the originals. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you hear, like, Frampton's really crappy Kermit voice come through, like, on so many of the songs. Like, it, it's very jarring hearing that, like, when you're expecting a Paul McCartney or a John Lennon to, to come in with the melody. Right. Yeah. But if you watch the clips, like, it's hilarious. It seeing, is ridiculous. Seeing Frampton and, and, and the boys in, the, in their little costumes, huge bags under their eyes, just riding the top of this double-decker bus through a neighborhood, like, while well, everyone dances in the street to fucking Mr. Kite. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is so fucking It's insane. so stupid to watch. To listen to... The, the straight up Frampton and BG songs, I didn't mind so much. It was the ones that had like actors 
singing also Steve Martin Steve, Steve Martin and Steve Martin is, is fantastic that was hilarious oh, I fucking did. trash the clip is hilarious I, well this is interesting so it sounds like we have some opinions I, do. I I I personally think fucking it all starts and ends with Frampton for me because that's really the big issue I think I might be a Frampton whole... convert now I might like no, Frampton that's enough I might that's have... enough I already like the Bee Gees the only so. reason that Peter Frampton so Peter Frampton gets chosen to be the entire the centerpiece he's a of this whole project, beef, he's a cutie. I guess, I guess, yeah, he's <laughs> was, a cutie. Was this like a year after Alive came out? Uh, it's definitely he's got that look. It had to have been. <laughs> he's got that look. He's got that. I mean, he's got the look. The dead-eyed up. glare. Yeah, same the, album cover. Goldilocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> he looks so petrified of like every moment of that he is on screen. <laughs> he he like several times. That's cocaine. Breaks the fourth wall <laughs> and like is pleading for help. Like I, he and so he was chosen because he was uh, our heartthrob. He wasn't even, he had some hits and he was very popular at that moment, but it was just like, I'm like having Lil Nas X like be the, he be, it, it, that, that's actually what it is. It's Lil Nas X recreating lemonade. <laughs> So, so, when, so when Mike and I were outside uh, outside uh, talking about this record just briefly, um, I mentioned that one of the things that really surprised me is like the really bad Carlos Santana-esque guitar playing oh, yeah. on the yes. record. And it just came to me, is that Frampton playing guitar? No, is it? No, I think it's the Bee Gees. I think it's... Uh, no. Oh, wait, no, maybe it is Frampton. <laughs> my shit. Frampton. Is I it Frampton? Frampton it's, yeah. Oh, my God. So Frampton is not known for like being a heavy vocal hitter either. He's, he's, he's known just, for being a, a badass guitar player, though. I, he doesn't do most of the vocals. It's the Bee Gees who do most no, of the vocals. No, he definitely does do an he unfortunate does a lot of amount yeah. of, of he does, vocals. Um, he does Long and Winding Road. That's really Oh, bad. yeah, it's miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really bad. It's not, you can't hang your hat on Frampton, is what I'm saying. I Putting it all on hat. Frampton I'll, is not the way to go. I'll hang my hat on the Bee Gees, and I will hang my hat on Earth, Wind, and Fire. On most days, at this point of my life, I would probably rather listen to the Bee Gees than listen to the Beatles. Hmm. Yeah, for like a late night coke party, sure. <laughs> if I'm just chilling, if I'm if I'm at work, at my desk, am I gonna put on the Beatles, which I've heard a billion times? Yeah, and which listen to this album made me realize like some of these songs, they actually choose. I think all of with you know Obladiobada accepted almost all of the worst Beatles songs. To cover on this on this yeah. album. Well, that's, what that's what I'm saying. Sgt. Pepper's is not one of the greatest records. That's right. Yeah. Like, Coming back right. to that, I think that I agree. I think yeah. I agree. I was looking at the track list, and you know, as as these renditions were coming on, and I was like, this sucks. And I was like, are these all on Sgt. Pepper's? And I looked at the track list, and I'm like, oh yeah, a lot of them fucking are. Well, I was listening to uh, the the got got to get you into my life uh, cover, and like that's amazing because if you listen to the original, you're like, oh yeah, this is actually a bad game show sounding song even yeah. the original of that song but it's just I don't know Paul McCartney is just a badass though back in the 60s so I kind of like it whenever he's singing over anything like Little Richard so that's why yeah. I like that song <laughs> he, it's, most of the music is not so terrible most yeah. of the you know it's not necessarily the worst and but you cannot divorce the music from its context mm. of this of this really atrocious movie, which both you and I, Mike, did watch some clips of, yeah. um, and and are truly absurd. The one that we opened the show with is literally Steven Tyler choking out Peter Frampton on this like <laughs> lucite like platform surround like I, I, 
and Joe Perry's just like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Like, what? Mind you, this is 1970s Steven Tyler, so he, right. has, he has no memory of this happening. Oh, <laughs> every, every no, he one. probably really did fall almost to his death when they were filming yeah. it, and they are just like, well, keep it in. He was just coke-walking into the onto the set, and they were like, all right, we can use this. Yeah. There was a lot of those kinds of appearances in this movie and in this and in this album that we'll, we'll definitely talk about. Is this, this post-Spinal Tap? No. No. Well, no. No. It's just, it's like two years before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is a largely responsible for, for Spinal, Spinal Tap, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that, that's where I was going to tie in. I'd be like, that'd be hilarious if this came out after Spinal <laughs> yeah, Tap. No, no way. This is the source <laughs> they didn't learn material. Their lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is the thing, is that it was, so even though it had the Bee Gees who were, extre- who were very popular, and, and I will agree with you, very talented, um, especially harmonically, like their harmonies are fucking glorious. And there are some many glorious harmonies on this album. Their pre-disco but, stuff is really is really smooth and just so goes down so easy. And Peter Frampton <laughs> was a good guitarist and a singer who was very cute. Yeah. But there's no <laughs> talk box famous. on this record. Yeah, and there's oh there is vocoder though. There's vocoder. Yeah, and there was some... oh yes, and, and melodica. You had a lot of good ingredients, right? You had and then you had like. You know Aerosmith and Alice Cooper and oh, and uh, yeah, Steve I mean, Martin and you know maybe not a uh, well uh, integrated concept here, but um, but at least you had you had some ingredients that should have made this a success potentially. Uh, and no, so that was the fascinating the... thing was the reaction no, from I, the from the uh, from the people, which I, was overwhelmingly negative. I feel like if you look at this on paper prior to listening to it, it's exactly what you're. Th- think you're gonna get yeah. yeah so so at like project conception but, they should have known what this is gonna be like i right. think they nailed it <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so bad <laughs> yeah well okay what i i guess what i meant by that is that originally when the soundtrack came out people did buy it it yeah. was it was number five on the charts and it stayed there for multiple weeks it was popular um but it was also the first album to go reverse platinum. This was a concept that I read. Oh, so mo- some more so, units were returned. So as soon as the movie came out, yes, exactly that. As oh, soon as the wow. movie came out and it became clear that this was not good and people really <laughs> not recognized, cool. not cool, you know, which, yes, maybe they should have recognized that it was going to be bad, but they did buy the soundtrack and they were like, mm-hmm, well, you know, that's fine. And then the movie comes out and the the reaction was swift and, and brutal. So they, the um, company that put out, or the record company that put out the album, they invested $12 million into the soundtrack. Jesus um, Christ. And Jesus. Jesus. So that's so much money in today's money. It is so much money. The black album cost one million in that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Jesus Christ. So that is what makes it such a like hilarious failure. Like it. So it it was considered return platinum. Sorry. With over four million copies of it taken off store shelves and shipped back to distributors. And (sighs) hundreds of thousands of copies of the album ended up being destroyed by RSO. So this is like the Atari ET. Game. Yeah, yeah, it's another Atari oh, ET and a long line of Atari ETs on this show. Of music, it's somewhere. It's in that landfill down in Arizona. Yeah, this uh, this was never a good idea. This was a bunch of men in a room on cocaine who had way too much money to spend, 
and Coke decided dreams? on this particular Coke dream. Does, does Coke anyone dreams know, the musical. Does anyone know what the Beatles' involvement were in sanctioning this or, or I, allowing this? So obviously they allowed for the yeah. licensing because originally it was a Broadway play or an off-Broadway play, mm. I'm sure, off-Broadway off, mm. off play. So it started out as, and, and they sold the rights. So I think the only thing I saw from them was that afterwards um, – George Harrison <laughs> expressed his sympathy. <laughs> like, basically, uh, you know, he says, I, I think it's damaged their images, their careers, and they didn't need to do that. It's just like the Beatles trying to do the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones can do it better. <laughs> so, fair enough, George Harrison. Could have told them that beforehand, but, I mean, at that point, you know. The, m- cocaine was the was turning the gears of history yeah. in America and in the UK during that time. Like, everything that happened, Scorsese happened because of cocaine. Yep. Like, fucking, the good things and the bad things. But, you know, it was all such a haze. You look back now and it's like, holy shit, they fucking... They they put they just they didn't even have anyone talk between scenes. No, they just had George Burns say the words that were they were lip syncing yeah. out of their mouths before they did another they, in the twenty four. They, they did twenty four fucking songs. I mean, and that's the interesting thing too to contrast this, especially because uh, the music that they're using is sourced from you know the late sixties, which was the psychedelic era. So mm. we see a, a similar sort of like uh, laissez faire, like fucking anything goes, like nonsense. You get a lot of those types of productions in the late 60s you get like the monkeys doing head and shit like that and all sorts of weird stuff happening but I'll fucking take psychedelia dreams over coke dreams any day and this is a yeah. coke dream imitation of a psychedelia you know freak out I was sort of expecting more of like a uh, excess rock kind of uh, album oh like too. an arena vibe like yeah, something re- that could or, be played in public or like, or, or, but like also something like King Crimson or like like ELO oh. or something oh like yeah that. there's a few little ELO moments I think, here yeah. and there but but it's mostly it's got the the funky bass yeah the bass player is ripping on this record um like fucking he's, kick ass. He's definitely the star of the record. Uh, um, so about the soundtrack, so the Village Voice music critic Robert uh, Criscow gave the album... Oh, a, my boy Robert Criscow, <laughs> the god. <laughs> um, gave the album a D plus with an added must-to-avoid warning in case you didn't get the, the memo from the D plus. He wrote that apart from the Earth, Wind, and Fire and Aerosmith songs, most of the arrangements on are lifted whole without benefit of vocal presence or rhythmic inter- integrity. Um, Dave Marsh in the Rolling Stone record guides called the soundtrack an utter travesty and easily the worst album of any notoriety in this book. And Marsh later said, two million people bought this album, which proves that P.T. Barnum was right and that euthanasia may have untapped possibilities. <laughs> so that is where, that's where we're at right, right now, guys. Well, let me throw one last hot take on the pile here in response to that and say like through the lens of the you know being the host of make it stop listening to bad music in the year of our lord 2020 the boomers i think are maybe making clutching too many pearls yeah too big a deal out of this fucking shit they didn't they didn't have any idea how bad music could get in 1978 (laughs) they didn't this is this is a this is a d plus album this is a fucking uh, one star, yeah. you know. I, I, I think uh, you know, it's just some cheesy Beatles covers. Honestly, 
I've heard worse, but the, the depths, the lower depths of the album are pretty hilarious and bad. There, there have probably been many more hit singles that were Beatles covers since this record came out that are worse than anything on this record. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Again, four million copies of it were taken <laughs> off of store shelves. That's all I'm going to say. So, I mean, so and I don't the know. boomers call us entitled. <laughs> I don't want my Beatles soundtrack anymore. But, but you even mentioned that that was after the movie came out. Right. So, I do think that that's true. Yeah. I think I think without. The movie having been such a failure, which, by the way, Janet Maslin of the New York Times, I actually read this original, like, the original article. Um, it says, it watching it feels like playing shuffleboard at the absolute insistence of a bossy shipboard social director. <laughs> when whimsy gets to be this or- overbearing, it simply isn't whimsy anymore. And David Anson of Newsweek dismissed Sgt. Pepper as a film with a dangerous resemblance to wallpaper. <laughs> and then Janet, also from that New York Times article, says, this isn't a movie, it's a business deal set to music, which I think is absolutely really appropriate good. for this yeah. whole kind of thing yeah. to frame this whole thing. It might not be the worst music. It was definitely a bad business deal mm. and, a, and a huge failure for everyone involved. For the Bee Gees, who saw their career really decline, and then Frampton, who was a joke. I mean, he didn't he didn't release. Yeah, this did kill it, their careers. It, it killed both of their careers, really, um, which is a, is a shame. Peter, although Peter Frampton did apparently only just actually officially retire this year. So, so why didn't it kill Alice Cooper's and Aerosmith? or Aerosmith? Uh, one could have only hoped. Yeah. I know. Well, they were <laughs> they didn't bl- get enough screen time. Exactly. Yeah. They were blissfully only there for a moment. Um, so yeah. So I think that that gets us pretty uh, <laughs> sets the stage pretty uh, pretty well. Should we get on in, dive on into this fucking dumb bullshit? Uh, there's one last thing I want to do before okay. we get into this, and that's I want to say uh, I want to tell people the rest of the cast of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band because there's this big scene at the end that includes appearances from Tina Turner, Etta James. Leif Garrett, the giant from Twin Peaks, Curtis Mayfield, Wolfman Jack, Carol Channing, Robert Palmer, Keith Carradine, Frankie Valley, Minnie Ripperton, Peter Allen, and Donovan, and Barry Humphreys. So it's, uh, do they know it's Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is live aid, basically. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, but they're only aiding th- themselves. themselves. <laughs> they're only hurting themselves, really, honestly. It's true. All right. So let's go ahead and get on into this. There are way too many songs in this album. We're definitely going to go two at a time, maybe three at a time. We'll see. Uh, the first one here is Bee Gees with Peter Frampton. It's Sgt. Pepper's. With a little help from my friends. With a little help from my friends. And it's the first of at least three times that they play the Sgt. Pepper's song. So that happens twice on the on the original Sgt. Pepper's album, too. There is a reprise yeah. on that. But there's uh, a reprise of the reprise on this one. Yeah. They got to one up the original Beatles. <laughs> <sighs> they got to stretch it out somehow, I guess. I don't know. They got to the, make this a movie. This is by far one of the better songs on the record, in my opinion. Yeah, which is not saying much. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like a less, it's a less stellar version than the original, but it's pretty true to it. To give them a little taste of what else we're working with, should we also play Here Comes the Sun by Fa- oh, yeah. Sandy Farina? Oh, that Sandy one's Farina. miserable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do both. We'll definitely do those two. So let's, uh, let's give it a whirl. Here we go.
Jocko Pastorius on that bass there. Jocko. Is that Jocko? No. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. But yeah, he's really going. <laughs> I don't think that's one of the Bee Gees, is it? No, it it's be. definitely not. They have a lot of session musicians. Don't worry. Uh, filling the thing, filling this whole thing out. Well, bass aside, that song is terrible. Sandy Farina. I want to. Oh, Who man. is Sandy Farina? So I looked her up. Uh, no one. No one. She's no one, right? Her Wikipedia page says she's most well known yeah. for this movie. It ruined, this movie ruined a lot of lives. The uh, other yeah. one, the one that plays, I think, uh, Lucy, she's, she doesn't even get a Wikipedia article. So that, that one was really sad. She, you know, she looked like Apollonia. She was so underutilized. Um, she could have been, been Apollonia. But this, I, this version of Here Comes the Sun, uh, this is my second most hated song on this record yeah this is almost the bottom of the barrel we'll get to my most hated one later you know it's funny her wikipedia page sandy farina it says that she does uh like voiceovers for commercials now and i think that i remember her voice because i think she did uh loving you oh really is easy because you're beautiful uh, for the commercial when burger king introduced oh their my breakfast God. i literally said that this sounds like a freshly dead carol king singing a song at her own funeral <laughs> like the corpse of carol king at the blandest continental breakfast buffet rendition of here comes the song it's not, sun that i could ever imagine it's not all her fault though that bossa nova beat is like oh, miserable do, like do, i can't do, 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 i can't believe George Harrison didn't freak out about this. Yeah, there's a lot of weird decisions with the drums on this album. Yeah. The first song, he's just really pounding at them. Mm. Like I think I feel like uh, the the first song, the Sgt. Pepper's, is like uh, like a competent drummer, like trying to emulate you know Ringo's smash 'em up style, mm -hmm. but just going a little too hard, just a little too good to to be able to play that way yeah I, I really think that the first song is really just a bad xerox copy of the of the of the original it's yeah. not like mm, it's did, like a teal album yeah did we listen to the frampton part though i i think i need to go back it, and it is do the, the the with a little help from my friends that part yeah it's pretty let's just do a quick little uh recap of that part mm -hmm. i need somebody to love <laughs> Fine. Okay, the harmonies are good. Yeah, yeah. and then wait. I just want somebody <laughs> I see what you're saying about Frampton. Frampton. <laughs> it's, it's really soulless. <laughs> that wasn't even a, what is the, that, those are the weakest ad-libs I've ever heard, dude. Those are like, it's so flat and embarrassing. Just like his fucking acting skills, which by the way, are unbelievably bad. Like it is so clear that this person, uh, I believe one of the reviews said- He doesn't come alive on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul Nelson in that Rolling Stone article said that uh, 
Frampton had absolutely no future in Hollywood, which <laughs> turned out to be correct. He's really bad. He he does not. He can't act. He just he just stands there. He exists. He doesn't emote. He like maybe every once in a he while. He has like kind like, of like a nervous look on his face. Yeah, like, he's like terrified. A, he's he, uh, <laughs> like I, I'm like a, a, like a plastered on smile. It's an I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here scenario. <laughs> just the level of hubris that like cloaked the creation of this album and the hype or that and the movie like the hype leading up to it where Robin Gibb of the Bee Gees leading up to this shit said there is no such thing as the Beatles now they don't exist as a band and never performed Sgt. Pepper live in any case when ours comes out it will be in effect as if theirs never existed <laughs> That Holy is an shit. actual quote from Robin Gibb, who, uh, let me remind owns. you, <laughs> was being, like, <laughs> fucking, like, resuscitated every day with cocaine and, <laughs> like, exterminated with barbiturates. Also, there's, like, a level, there's a level of shittiness in that comment, too. Oh, like, completely. Oh, like, <laughs> major level of shittiness. Like, well, not just hubris, but, like, actual, like, fuck you Beatles in that comment. Yeah. <laughs> that is, I mean, there's, that is dripping in so cocaine psychosis, though, you know? <laughs> You know, like that's word for word, like the ravings of a madman. That's what I'm saying. Like they deserve everything that they got for this. Yeah. Because that that type of you know attitude is just it, it's it's mind blowing when you listen to. And again, I know we're going to be apologists because the the harmonies are good, but the harmonies are good. The the Bee Gees harmonies are good, but when you hear Robin Gibbs sing alone. You actually remember that, like, you know, that's he's not really good on his own. Which one's way. Robin Gibb? Because there's a f- he's the main one. Is he the one who's kind of like this? Is that, is that, this I thought he was, I thought Barry. Is that Barry Gibb? Yeah, I think that might be Barry Gibb. Yeah. And Robin's one of the the two twins, Robin Maurice. One of them has a voice who kind of does this thing. <laughs> but the Kermit voice one is Barry for sure. Okay, yeah, Barry. Yeah. Barry okay. Barry takes some interesting leads on this album. That's mm. for sure. Let's move on to the next two songs, shall yeah, we? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Should we do all right, Getting Better by the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton and then Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by Diane Steinberg and Stargard? <laughs> the bass was still fucking going hard on yeah. the, the ba- on all the worst songs at the very least if you just listen to the bass like you'll you're going to have a good time. Yeah. It's so weird how you can just scrub like making that song how they were they managed to scrub any 
psychedelia or like counterculture out of it entirely. It became a Toyota commercial. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wrote it, it, it. What's left is an all white Midwestern high school rendition of a raisin in the sun. <laughs> like, Guys, <laughs> isn't the original kind of lame? Like on its own. No, no. it's good, man. Yeah, it's what are you good. talking about? It's really, it's like weird, the production, and spooky, and like it was fucking groundbreaking for yeah. its time. Newspaper taxis appear on the shore. It was a fucking acid trip. It's dumb. So it's yeah. a is that what happens on an acid submarine. trip? You see newspaper taxis? No, you just talk bullshit. You though. talk bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that version of it's getting better is not the worst version of it's, it's game no. I've ever heard. It's it's soulless again. Vocal is like there's yeah. no soul in it whatsoever. Yeah, the, the recording's actually pretty excellent, and like it does swirly stuff in the headphones, and like I think it's really cool. But that "Losing the Sky of Diamonds" is miserable. It's, it's, it's horrible. Really bad. It is maybe better really than the Flaming bad. Lips version. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I'd say because I think when the chorus hits, at least, and the girl group comes in, it's got and the it's got horns like yeah. It's a little bit of a little bit of soul in the chorus. It's Bruno's soul. There's no real soul. Yeah. Well, it's well, it's the part of the Bruno album where the Supremes come yes, in. Yes, that's or, you know? true. That's true. Or, the Temptations. Uh, the Temptations, rather, not the yeah. Supremes. Uh, but yeah, getting better. I I'm gonna say it again. I think the songs that are just the Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees are are fine. Sure. The bass and the harmonies are fine, but then you get these little Disney woodland creature backing vocals. It all kind of just rings like a, you know, it's a small world ride version of, you know, an album that was already released 10 years ago to great acclaim yeah. that nobody wanted. It's very fucking rinky-dink. So yeah, the, the best you could say about that song is it doesn't like super, super take away from its legacy necessarily. Um, I, I'm going to be the audio nerd here for one second. Like, I really think a big part of what they were trying to do with this album, and this is just conjecture on my part, but yeah. is that when the Beatles recorded most of their records, they did all, almost all of them are on three or four track machines, uh, with the exception of Abbey Road, which was done on an eight track machine. So it's a lot of bouncing things. And uh, nowadays we listen to those recordings. We think, wow, those are brilliant recordings, especially with like the limited uh, technology they had at the time. In the 70s, I think there was a feeling of, we oh, that technology. Yeah, we have technology now. That yeah. was all crap recording back then. We're going to make right. it better now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to make it ELO. We're yeah. going to add melodicas <laughs> and, and synth trumpets. Yeah. I mean that's yes that's, you're right that's, that's the vibe point. I get from this is like like we're going to improve on the Beatles with this record <laughs> yeah let's take ice cream it's just funny that it was and like put pizza in it <laughs> the Bee Gees the Bee Gees thought they were going to be the ones to outdo the Beatles they, like that was their that was their they said and I quote there is no such thing as the Beatles now <laughs> Frampton is it performs this entire movie and and soundtrack like he has been kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> He's held hostage. Have you ever seen like seen or read an interview with Frampton? He's actually like a, a great guy, like a Isn't very very really? nice and like I take pleasant it all person. Back, Frampton. Well, like, it, so it doesn't surprise me. I haven't seen this film, but it doesn't surprise me that he sounds like he's a deer in the headlights, going, "What the hell am I doing here, doing this?" But oh, we forgot to do that. Is everybody involved in this a piece of shit? Yes, they're so musicians perfect... in the '70s. Yes. Oh, the answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was newly famous, so he didn't get famous till Frampton Comes Alive, which yeah. was like kind of like. Three albums what in for him. What was this big song? Was it? Um, I want you to I show just you. Be your or is that I, the Bee Gees? That's the Bee Gees. It's uh, I, I want you to show me the way. Is uh, the Frampton song? I go? want you to show me the way. And what's the other one that? Um, uh, with the talk box that he does. Oh, uh, 
Do you feel <laughs> like I do? Yeah. <laughs> do you feel? Yeah, he w- he did. Baby, I love you with Yes. Me. Of course. Oh, we're yes. so stupid. That's the one. I, you know what? I couldn't remember if that was him or Barry Manilow. But Manilow's exactly. got a deeper voice, right? Did he write that song? Yeah, he he wrote oh it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh baby, I love you way. Now I'm just thinking about high fidelity. Um, <laughs> that's a good song, I guess. I mean, it's 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 you know, it's kind of lame, but it's not a bad song. Did he did did he do I just called to say I love you or is that Rod Stewart? No, Rod no. Stewart, Peter Frampton, Barry Manilow, same guy they're in my the brain. <laughs> they're all the same. I actually I I. I have a really hard time differentiating between them. I know Peter Frampton had a very specific look around this time. I think Frampton's the best out of them. I'm like, I think it's kind of clear cut there too. Either okay. way, he shreds. I mean, I, I like playing guitar. So yeah, like he, he's a very good guitar player. If he shreds, I'm down with it. If yeah. he's you playing don't... guitar on this album, I'm not down with yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> all Univibe and like Carlos Santana lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at those eyes, so dreamy. He does. He is hot. Yeah, he is hot. He's, like, he's he got kind of like a Robert back then. Robert Plant. You know, hair mm-hmm. and the the piercing gaze. Yeah, it was a weird choice. Whatever it was, it was a weird choice. And uh, I mean, I, I can't say I blame him because they were talking it up so much and there was so much hype around it. It's like fucking Jennifer Hudson and Cats. Why are you there? You should have said, no, you're a talented musician. They, you don't need to do this. Yeah, what? What drugs are they on in Hollywood now that cats happened? Like fucking you, cocaine you know? again. We're I think coming still cocaine. full yeah, it's still circle. Cocaine. We are coming cocaine. full circle. It never ended. It never yeah. ended. And uh, let's uh, move on yeah. to the next two songs here. So first we have "I Want You, She's So Heavy" by the Bee Gees, Diane Steinberg, Paul Nicholas, Donald Pleasance, and Stargar. Stargar? Stargar? Yeah, I don't know. And then we have Good Morning, Good Morning by Paul Nicholas, Peter Frampton, and the Bee Gees. I want you so badly. I want you. I want you so bad. It's driving me mad. It's driving me mad. So, I Want You, She's So Heavy is my favorite Beatles song, and all I can really say is, look at how they massacred my boy. (laughs) Dude, what is happening with that? That is uh, the cartoon villain overdub. Who was doing that? It should have been Vincent Price, but it wasn't. Uh, Was it uh, George Burns? No, it's it's Mr. Mustard. Oh, that guy. Good morning, good morning, I think is... Bottom three Beatles song of their total yeah. catalog. Yeah, and this might actually be the one case where they did improve upon the Beatles. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, kinda, it was good. <laughs> yeah, it's already kind of a lame song, but like it has like cool twists and turns in the timing, so they really like turned it into a prog rock pop song. Yeah, 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 because it's got yeah. the weird time signature. Kind of Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> I mean, you know, they kind of they. Yeah, yeah, and and that's one of the songs where the cocaine energy is actually kind of appreciated. Yeah, the cocaine energy was sort of already there in the original of the song. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I think also both versions, Beatles and Frampton, uh, fucking are both bad. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's sent is in the movie. It's set to a kind of uh, like promo ramp up montage, which like culminates in them getting mobbed outside of a Tower Records by like all of these like frantic fans. That you really did the shit out of this research. Didn't I you? I did a little bit. I honestly just a little bit. This was the <laughs> first out. Al- this was the first song on the album that I was like, okay, I want to see what how why, how was this mapped onto the story? Because like, let me emphasize to you, I only did this for a few of these songs because there's no there's no connection there's literally no connection between good morning good morning and you know them getting mobbed outside of a tower records by like fake fans who are very unconvincing yeah Um, did they basically like how did they is there a script to this movie or did they just like have like there's a plot synopsis index cards of the songs that they got the rights to and they're trying to connect them to like how can we turn this into a narrative yeah. Both and it, precisely that. I mean, they they have. There's a story about a mustard. Do we know anything about? It? Did you figure out the story? Did anyone figure out the story? No, I was just listening to the abomination of the recordings of the songs. I think they got signed. So I think what an underachiever, so, Joe. <laughs> get, get so basically, Peter Frampton. So Sergeant Pepper was a real guy, and he had a band, and they were very popular during World War One, performing for the troops. What? It's it's important to note that even the original Sgt. Peppers, they're trying to make it like a concept storyline right. album, and they they abandoned it. So mid album, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? The Bee Gees and Frampton trying to pick up where the Beatles left off. Yeah, and, and they were, put the story together, and they were like, surely if we just add in all of Abbey Road and some of uh, Let It Be as well, like that'll <laughs> turn into a story. They just they didn't have enough songs, the Beatles, to make it work, and they didn't have our genius. So Frampton is Sgt. Pepper's grandson. And he gets a band together with the Henderson Brothers, I think they're called. <coughs> That's the Bee Gees characters. Yes. And they get signed to this record deal with a shady record company. Yes. And I think uh, they They are... get exploited by the record company, plying them with drugs and alcohol, begging them, to yeah, forcing yeah. them to... <laughs> There's a scene where they're drinking the, out yeah. of these huge, gigantic sniffers of, of, yes. w- of wine. And uh, Aerosmith <laughs> is this bad band called, like, the Villain Band or something. They're literally called the Future Villain Band. <laughs> this is so stupid, dude. There's a, there's a villain named Mr. Mustard, which is what we were talking about before. Um, and they have a computer and robot-equipped van. This whole, the whole album... Or is, well, and the movie in particular is just a series of people introducing themselves, which is all that Cats is. Everybody, it's just a, a cat introducing themselves through a fucking ten to fifteen minute long stupid fucking song and dance routine, and then they disappear, and then nothing happens until the very end, and then they send a cat off into the sun. And in this, <laughs> the sending a cat off into the sun is fucking Steven Tyler choking out Peter Frampton, and then becoming electrocuted uh, while the groupie girlfriend comes back to life somehow. Well, also in the end, um, Sergeant Pepper comes back to life, but he's uh, black. And... (laughs) (laughs) What? Wait. (laughs) And? (laughs) He's played by Billy Preston. Peter Frampton's grandfather apparently is Billy Preston. (laughs) He comes back to life, and then he brings... He brings Strawberry Fields back to life. Billy... Uh, Peter Frampton attempts suicide by jumping from a rooftop. 
Before he can hit the ground in a form of a DSS machina, the magical weather vane on top of City Hall comes to life as Sergeant Pepper, a.k.a. Billy Preston. Wielding magical lightning bolts, Pepper catches Billy, and Pepper dances through the town square, transforming Mustard and the Brute into a bishop and monk. Mustard's van is transformed into a Volkswagen Beetle. Dougie and Lucy are transformed into a priest and a nun. Strawberry is restored to life and happily embraces Billy. Sergeant Pepper transforms the band members' mourning suits into shiny new uniforms. In the finale, the cast appear with numerous celebrities in a tribute to the original album cover. Wow, I learned so much from that. What a lesson to be imparted by a film. Is the is the implication that he killed himself and this is his death dream? Yes, I it's was a fucking Jacob's Ladder scenario. Yeah, because yeah, where did he go in the first place? And then he was reborn through a weather vane. <laughs> Damn, dude, that's that's some wild ass shit. That's deeper than anybody involved in the making of this film ever thought <laughs> about any of this. Wow, um, wow. Should we take a break to just process so. that? I think that sounds like a great idea. All right. Yeah, take a nice team. long break. Uh, and we'll be back, Stoppies. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. All right, and we are back. And are we ready to jump on into She's the next two songs? We, yeah. We have a bunch. Should we do three? I honestly We probably. have so many to get through. Yeah, I think I think we can jump on into three songs at yeah. a time. We can do so. so here, I'll give the breakdown. How about you do that? She's leaving home by the Bee Gees, Jay McIntosh, and John Wheeler. You Never Give Me Your Money by Paul Nicholas and Diane Steinberg. And Oh Darling by Robin Gibbs solo. Oh God. See, that's when you really hear it, guys. I promise. All right, so let's let's go ahead. We're gonna listen to those. Oops. You 
<laughs> That's God, quite enough. <laughs> that was the one I was talking about when I was doing the voice. That Gib. Yeah, yeah. that sound, Gib. He sounds like Cleveland from Family Guy singing this song. Yeah. <laughs> he's, Gib it back. <laughs> he's fucking on so much cocaine. He can audibly trembling like a wet dog. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, I gave it. I, I, my comment was he has that strangled goat voice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think that arrangement of that song would have been better served or worse served or more appropriately served by Harry Connick Jr.? Like, it's it's so blue-eyed soul. Yeah. It's so, like, yeah. Well, that's what the Bee Gees, I mean, that was yeah. their M.O. The very blue-eyed. But it's like a cool blue-eyed soul when Paul McCartney did it in 69. <laughs> I mean. It's all jagged and, and like a little Richard right. sounding. I think I would argue that it was cool. It was a cool blue-eyed soul in the late 70s. You know, I mean, I, I think that. Critics definitely shit on all of that music at the time, but looking back now. You, Are you talking about disco? I'm talking about like Hall and Oates, Boz Skaggs, uh, that era of the Doobie Brothers, okay. uh, Steely Dan, you know, fucking yeah. Yacht Rock. Like it actually rock, it yeah. has merit. And I think it's, it has endured. The Bee Gees were part of that. But. I, <laughs> I mean, it's music to here. do coke It's not too. working yeah. here. It is not working here. We're also it not, is on not cocaine. It's not working on the other two songs we no. listen to either. No. Except maybe She's Leaving Home no. is kind of neat. She's Only at the beginning. The, the, the beginning is the amazing. That, it's the best part of the whole record. In the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band movie, the part of Ringo Starr will be played by both Daft Punk robots. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there are Daft Punk robots in this movie. There are gimp-masked fucking animatronic fembots that are massaging yeah, like, that's aggressively. Yeah, that's song. Massa- oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that character is singing the song. Oh, God. she's leaving. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh man! Um, well, that's like a really pretty schmaltzy Beatles song that I I really enjoy, and you can be schmaltzy on top of a schmaltzy song and it won't ruin it. Uh, in a lot of cases, that's the one song where I think it's not that bad on the whole record. Ah, uh, I mean, I think I think the part that we played was pretty good. Yeah. It was, yeah. it when was the definitely villain a highlight. comes in on the yeah. chorus, or you know, it's just gets worse yeah this yeah. the weird spoken word cartoon vocals like throughout the album not good. really are that's mm. when it's at its worst um diane steinberg I'm also so fucking sorry, diane. sucks she's on, not you good never give me your money. she's beautiful i watched her you know in the movie and she's gorgeous and that's about it like i said she looks like apollonia but she sounds like a very cheesy theme park imitation diana ross yeah. she has one of those voices that like only existed in the 70s like yes 
Just like the Bee Gees. Yeah. It's <laughs> like it's like the 70s equivalent of that 50s, like, well, what's the big idea sort of voice, you know? Like. But the music for You Never Give Me Your Money is pretty crappy, too. It's not just her voice yeah. that's ruining that song. Yeah, which it's is a shame, because I, like, I like that, the OG. I like the original song. Yeah, it's a very good, heartfelt example of Paul be- writing a grandma song that actually worked. Yeah, like, it's one of the good grandma yeah, songs. Yeah, the only yeah. heart feelings on this album were palpitations <laughs> <laughs> from an impending yeah. cardiac arrest. And that O'Darling yeah. is I, very I, gag-worthy, too. I hope that they got him injected with his barbiturate stat <laughs> after he finished recording that because I'd be Seems worried healthy. about his heart exploding. I know, that's the only time you'd feel an emotion from this whole album is if, like, that's, that's the only stakes of this album is like will he or won't (laughs) he die (laughs) in real life (laughs) it is a miracle that all the people involved in this movie survived it right I know yeah I mean Peter Frampton still still was touring this year so good Robin Maurice did yeah did they die not from cocaine stuff R.I.P. R.I.P. In memoriam, Robin Gibb. In memoriam, <laughs> yeah. The known, strings, the mortal except, strings. No for such hits as Oh Darling. <laughs> oh Darling, I know. Yeah, that was bad. The Ker- Yeah, those are the Kermit vocals for sure. <laughs> it's a voice of an angel on Ambien. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I fell the fuck asleep. I think at its best, the, the, the Bee Gees are aggressively pleasant. Mm. And at worst, they're just, like you, you literally just fucking they're my barbiturate yeah. I just go fucking yeah. straight to bed the arrangement's also garbage in that song and I can't believe George Martin had anything to do with it like with like those stupid right. like flowy strings that going around in the background it's... yeah honestly was George Martin okay during the the making of some like something <laughs> his brain could not have been at full he was pretty straight laced he's capacity. like scold the band for doing drugs so well something yeah Something got a hold of him Something in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, so should we uh, move on to this? There's no real good segue into this next song. So we got. So we, we should probably do the next two and not three, because oh. the second one is like a lot of songs yeah. altogether. Okay. But, and uh, the first one also is so ridiculous that we're definitely going to like. In some ways, some it's the best song on the record. <laughs> uh, interesting take. <laughs> this first one is uh, Maxwell's Silver Hammer by Steve Martin, and the next one Steve is- Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Yeah, that's Steve that, Martin. That, Steve that Martin, one. Who is fresh off a hit with his uh, his first comedy record. Yep. Which, which yep. is why he was involved in the film. And then followed by Rise to Stardom Sweet, which is Polyethene Pam, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, Nowhere Man, and then Sergeant Pepper's Reprise. Uh, take you out to the pictures. Sitting in this 
That happened. <laughs> All right, so you think Maxwell Silver Hammer is the best song on the album, Joe? Let's talk about that. No, not in that it's not in that it's good. <laughs> in that it's the one I listen to and say, "Holy shit, I need to hear that again." It's, it, it's already it's fascinating. A, it's already kind of a bad song. It's like the worst song on. on yeah, it's on a Abbey fucked Road. up. Yeah. It's a fucked up song. It's not yeah. a good song. The entire song is like a cheeky little bit about you know a serial killer yeah. who murders women and then like you know. Other people, and then, I guess. And then we bring in Steve Martin to creep it up even more. Like, yeah. yeah. So this was well, pre Little Shop of Horror, yep. Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely, you know, this is this is that character. He's he's testing it out. He's really licking his acting chops. He's going full goofball on it. The video, the movie, you know, rendition of it is it's absurdist. It's it's ridiculous. And he gives off the manic serial killer, you know, mad scientist vibes. Oh, uh, he's supposed to be um, like a plastic surgeon in the movie. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's yeah. no there's no actual link between this and the rest of the movie. I was trying I was at this point I was still trying to like figure it out. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna crack the code. You know, I'm like, what okay, why does this music yeah. happen? Why well, does this why, story happen? Why is Steve Martin here? Yeah, why do what's the story being told by the Beatles songs being put in this particular In this order? particular order, which I this the only explanation you could even begin mm. to give to this is that the apparently the evil serial killer Steve Martin has a secret magical coronet <laughs> horn because it's a, that's the other part of the plot that we yeah, forgot. Yeah. Oh, whatever, yeah, that's right. That Someone stole the, the musical instruments. The instruments. The ones they're holding on the cover so, of the album. So the dumb mm-hmm. gang has to get back this magical coronet for fake reasons, and who cares? That's that's. That's why this exists, but because it's such an anomaly, I think you're right. I, yeah. it, it makes it it makes it stick out for sure. It's, I just. Uh, What's the big deal about Steve Martin's musical comedy? Why is the Egyptian? Well, you hate musical comedy, song? right? That's your. I don't your hate all musical a, comedy. A... I just think that it's over. I think it's over. <laughs> Mike Dunn, not a comedian, barely a musician. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa! <laughs> whoa. <laughs> I'm kidding. What place do we have? podcasters in America to decide the be-all and end-all of comedy well, music. It's worth, just... that, it's worth knowing that Steve Martin did stop doing musical comedy in the 70s because yeah. he knew it was tired and that he couldn't create a career out of it. Yeah. So maybe you're right. Yeah. And uh, this song is no exception. <laughs> it's a neutered Rocky Horror. Yeah, yeah. It gave me a, a weird horror, Rocky Horror vibe. And there's a few of those other moments, too, with the, especially with the uh, fucking Mr. Mud Mustard, like you know, Frankenfurter, like mm. overdubs and and narratives there, but it's it, which if you rewatch Rock, Rocky Horror, has anybody have any done that? Rewatched what? what Rocky Horror? I've seen no. it in the last five years. Yeah. Did you make it all the way through? No. No, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly the point. I fell asleep like clockwork. I think it was like 10 at night. I wasn't even tired. It was just like, oh, that's the end. Yeah, like, it's not good. It's not really great, you know? It's iconic, but it's not yeah. great. And I think that yeah. describes the song. Yeah, yeah. Iconic, but not it's, great. It's also fascinating, like it, this song. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's that 70s uh, weird. Uh... This is the bless your heart of songs. <laughs> It's not ha ha funny though, guys. Like I don't know. I'm not. I ain't laughing. (laughs) I liked the rise to stardom suite. I actually thought it was pretty good. So Paul and Pam and she came through the bathroom window are already sort of pre '70s coked out songs. Anyway, yeah, they already had a little funk to them. Yeah. um, 
the we didn't play it, but the beginning of Nowhere Man is the funniest thing on this record in terms of musical arrangement because Nowhere Man starts with like an acapella vocal, yeah. and they change the melody on yeah. on this version. Yeah, yeah, they do. That they is do. weird. Yeah, it's it's the only thing happening in that song, so you should probably stay true to the melody. But they changed it. No, they so, thought they could do better, uh, cooler harmonies. Yeah. Well, the, the Beatles. Beatles don't exist anymore, guys. Yeah. Remember? And we didn't get to uh, they had we, to put their stamp on it. We didn't get, listen to the first Sgt. Pepper reprise, but it's fucking badass. It's like game show, like yeah. lots of horns. It's, it's, I think it's awesome. I, it's already supposed to be a cheesy song anyways. It's a reprise on the record. So yeah. like they really just went 100% cheese on it. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but that's another one that's just the Bee Gees and Frampton full band. Right. <laughs> and I think those songs are pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good in the sense that it's a dumb, pointless jerk-off that sounds good. Yes. And it's music to clean your house, too, on too much Adderall. Like, you're not you're not <laughs> thinking about it, and you're kind of tuned out, but it's not, like, it, it's not atrocious. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But the Ro- the Robin Gibbs prepubescent, unconvincing, front-manning... It just doesn't quite carry it, and neither mm. does Frampton. Yeah, neither. Nobody can kind of like rise above the din here. It may it makes me kind of angry again because it's like you're taking some you're taking source material uh, that was much better, and you're not only not adding anything to it, but you're kind of like actively detracting. Mm. They're adding like robot vocals. And oh yeah, okay. Well, that's fine. Some of the funkiest bass I ever heard on any Beatles tracks. Still burning. He is really He's, good on this. Yeah. You know what else they add to this uh, to this album? Thank God. There's a little bit of fucking soul <laughs> on this next song, which I have only labeled in my notes as Earth, Wind, and Fire because I don't care what the name of the song is because it's... It's got to get you into my life. Well, there it is. That's it's the one. A Such a, such a fucking beautiful... Reprieve from <laughs> so much bullshit. I love this. This this is probably my favorite on the album. So, um, and it has nothing to do with Peter Frampton or any Gibbses. All right, we'll show the people the the how this uh, amazing song. <laughs> All right, <laughs> listen. Nothing on this album is amazing, but this is this is uh, a relief, is what it is. So we'll listen to Earth, Wind, and Fires. Got to get you into my life. Followed by another Sandy Farina, unfortunately, uh, a.k.a. in the movie Strawberry Fields. And she sings the song, Strawberry Fields Forever. Um, And should we keep going into Frankie Howard when I'm 64? Yeah, sure. All right, so we're going to play all those three. So let's do it. Thank you. 
I guess Got to Get You Into My Life is my favorite song in the album, too. Uh, yeah, right? It's better. It's, it's pretty it, good. It, it is. It's, it's still not great, but it's it's a pleasant splash of competence and energy amongst the late 70s disco purgatory. Like, they, they're they excited to be there. It's kind of bad. You think so? Uh, I like, you know what I like? The they ori- have Ohio players fucking horns on that shit. Like, yeah, I, I but, think it's great. But the original one, I'm, I guess I'm looking through the lens of the originals on a lot of these. Maybe I shouldn't be. No, uh, you should not be. We're in a different <laughs> universe, yeah. my dude. But there's already, like, weird, like... Big R&B horns in the original, and they're way cooler than this. They are good on the original. Yeah. But here's the thing. In the original, they only do the chorus one time at the very end of the song. Yeah. Uh, and it's cool to get a little more of that chorus because it's a good one. Maybe I'm just also not an Earth, Wind, and Fire f- fan. So oh, that's what? Yeah. You're not? I'm not like a hater. You're but... wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Let me convincingly and with authority, the authority vested in me by the uh, by the public. We've been railing against cocaine excess, and you guys are saying that <laughs> Dude, you like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Because I think that, I, I, absolutely. Hey, we I, said that a lot of good things came from it, too. Yeah. Yeah, dude, and this is just... and, and Earth, Wind, and Fire is absolutely one of them. Come think, get out of here, get out of here. Think about how much cooler this song would be if it was Sly and the Family Stone instead. Of they Earth, were Wind also Fire. awesome. Sly and the Family Stone they're, they're is not a whole mutually other exclusive. Conversation. That's yeah. funk music. We're talking about like we're we're talking about disco. We're Man. talking about which you know elements of soul, elements of funk, elements of pop music, and and whatever. The point is, is that those are both great artists mm. and. It, it would be sick if Sly and the Family Stone was on this album, though. Like, <laughs> oh I wish they made that happen. Tag but, them in. Tag somebody in. Or like Parliament. Like was somewhere. Oh my god. Oh my god. A million. Yeah, that would be that would be a great seventies. That would be fucking incredible. Uh, like just Have go. George just, Clinton and P Funk redo. Yeah, if they just did non blue eyed soul. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if George Clinton did all the talky bits like throughout well, this album, were... that'd be awesome. It's uh, yeah, if he was the George Burns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, let me tell you, Doctor Funkenstein. I mean, Mister Mustard, uh, <laughs> Sir knows what, because <laughs> that is actually a great example of uh, you know a psychedelic band who also you know created a story and a concept with characters and a universe. I so wonder it's... if George Clinton is a Beatles fan. That, that... I'm sure. I bet, I bet I'm you sure. He is. Yeah, I feel like most people. He started who out as a doo-wop artist. Were yeah. fans. He was. He started out in a barbershop quartet. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a Beatles fan. Back to the original point. Earth, Wind, and Fire is great, and they don't and they don't cancel out uh, P Funk, who's also they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, and I could talk about P Funk for a long time. The point is, is that any respite from this doped up doldrums is mm. really nice for me. I I think that at least they bring some enthusiasm to this shit. Whereas the rest of them, again, the the BGs are artificially hyped up with coke, and Frampton is terrified and like begging for his life. You don't <laughs> think Frampton's hostage album? Yes. <laughs> you don't think Susan Farina sounded enthused on Strawberry oh Fields Forever? Oh my god. You know, it, it's weird. When we just played it back right now, it didn't sound as bad as it did to me earlier. It's so awful, don't get me wrong, but it, it's I was hating on it a lot more on earlier listens than that one, that one playback. Because it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Because I guess it's fine. Mm, I think it fucking sucks. Uh, By fine. Maybe it's that it's way better than the Here Comes the Sun, uh, e- Sandy Farina. Yeah, song. but they're both bad. Yeah, well, bad. Also, listening to it made me like like strawberry fields forever less like i actually i think i'm getting i think i'm getting to the point now where 
like when I first got into the Beatles as like a teenager, I was into the, the druggy songs like Strawberry Fields and Lucy and Scott and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, we would and take, now, we'd smoke DMT to fucking Strawberry Fields forever. <laughs> Remember that? I, yeah, I that was <laughs> sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not smoke DMT with these people. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But as I get older, I'm just more into like I want to hold your hand and shit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> God, like All right. those early records are burners, man. Yeah, they really. It's th- and Ringo can play. Everyone thinks that Ringo can't play. If you watch like some of those old Ed Sullivan specials, he's like a sick, sick, fast drummer. Yeah, I think like help. Like he- the best know. part of Strawberry Fields Forever though is is the psychedelia, is the like mm. being pulled under into this acid like nightmare. The the shift, yeah. you know, the key change, the shift, the the processing of the vocals. Well, the... they just slowed it down. They just recorded it super fast. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and um, and the pitch shifting, whatever, everything about that is that's the best part of that song. Yeah. Mm. And they lose all of that on this version. Yeah, it's just do. completely flat. It's it's so fucking pointless and it's so weird that in the movie what the song is like set to is the strawberry fields character sandy farina sobbing while peter frampton is like fake dead lying on a platform and tiny images of her singing from various like Shay's lounges covered in rhinestones spin <laughs> into his eyes to wake him up and bring him back to life that for some reason. That owns. That sounds awesome. I, that, that sounds <laughs> like they're doing the song justice. <laughs> Shay's lounges and rhinestones and what have you. Well, I mean, that they would have <laughs> no. you believe that. <laughs> that was the entire concept of this. the whole creation of the soundtrack and movie was just like, wouldn't this be cool if... <laughs> and then um, when I'm 64, totally like subverts the concept of that song... Uh, by having the guy singing it like actually be sixty four, <laughs> yeah, and singing to this young woman about like you have to take care of me. This is this is one example <laughs> it's where so I think gross. one example where I think the arrangement's actually better than the original though musically. Really? Yeah, the original is just the hokey clarinet <laughs> and like the oboe. Yeah, and and like the kick and, and hi hat thing. And I think this is this song actually deserves to have a little bit more of a blossoming full arrangement. Yeah, but it does not deserve to have a, a fucking like Tom Kenny cartoon supervillain. I'm talking just the music, just the yeah. music arrangement. <laughs> okay. not, Dude, not the, the moans not the and the screeches and the growls. Let me see if I can find like an example of this really quickly. <laughs> it's so insane. Because it is insane. As we speak, it is. It is a pretty unfurl me. It's already like a hokey song, yeah. so like it's. Yeah, it, you know that's an old Beatles We're, song. Yeah, they uh, presumably it way predates the Sgt. Pepper album. Really? Yeah, the last song, the last show they ever played at the Cavern Club, the power went out and they played that song acoustic. Huh. So like '65 around that time. Cavern Club would have been what, oh '63. '63. Yeah. yeah. This is the content you crave, Stoppies. Listen, I, they, we need to have something to go off of here because, for me, that is fucking weird and creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's terrible. It's I, horrible. It's going to hurt this woman. 
That might be my no, uh, my least favorite on the. I, I don't. Know. I don't like that there are stakes of life and death and drugs and and sexual assault in this fucking no. movie. The George Burns is narrating. <laughs> <laughs> Who, as we remember, is older than sin itself. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, it's yucky. It's yucky. Should we do a few more? Should yeah, do... let's go ahead. So this is <laughs> me. Me and Mr. Mustard. Yeah. Oh no, you. you. Oh no. no. You go ahead. No, you. No, I, I insist. Hold on. <laughs> um, I'm not prepared. All right, yeah, so this is another Frankie Howard classic. So, again, this is this guy. I just want to let it be known just for some, I don't know, that his last name is spelled H-O-W-E-R-D, <laughs> yeah. which is, like, because he's British. Howard. So I guess, like, you know, they pronounce aluminum, aluminum, so we'll give it to them. But, like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Um so he does Mean Mr. Mustard, followed by George Burns, <laughs> yes. the aforementioned George Burns singing <laughs> Fixing a Hole, and then Alice Cooper and the Bee Gees Because, which is really <laughs> something to experience. So we'll go ahead. We'll listen to those three. That triple threat right there. Uh, this is a big three. This yeah. is, it's a big three. This is Garnett Pierce Allen right here <laughs> on this album. All right. Let's do it. Our puff and stuff, witchy poo. Oh god. <laughs> That's what Alice Cooper sounds like in that fucking song. I thought it sounded like Billy West, like the uh, voice of yeah. like a bat. Oh yeah, yeah. I can hear that. Um Me, Mr. Mustard, though. I think that's actually my favorite song on the album. <laughs> so, so that and Fixing a Hole are like the most 70s-fied songs on the record, right? Yeah. In terms of changing them from their original arrangements. Yeah, me, Mr. Mustard is a far cry from the original. Yeah. But I like it. I think uh, it's it's got, like, you slow that down just a little bit, you got yourself a nice Vaporwave song. Wow. <laughs> Which is, as, you know, we should remind our... Stoppy is an ironic musical genre. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's, some of it's good, good music. Yeah, yeah. And Mesh yeah. is very good. Just saying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Blank Banshee. It's good shit. Okay. All right. What were we um, talking about? I have hole. no idea. We're, we're, All right. So what's worse, uh, encore or because by <laughs> Alice Cooper? 
<laughs> so that that's my big fuck you moment listening to this record where I audibly said out loud with nobody around me, fuck you when I heard that. <laughs> uh, that's and in part because that's probably my favorite Beatles song on this on this record. Yeah, that's uh, my second favorite Beatles song in this record. And it and it starts off strong, you're like, all right, they're not butchering it yet. And then in comes Alice Cooper. What was the point of him behaving that way? It is a it is a, a significant one of these things is very much not like the yeah. others. You know, this is some square peg, round hole shit. I feel like he's like a cartoon witch, just like holding his nose, going pee. <laughs> that's what he. That's what he referenced. I mean, that's what like the the vibe that they cultivate in the movie. So the sequence in the movie is fucking crazy. Yeah, have you guys saw, watched it? I saw a part of it. Yeah. Dude, it, he sticks his face in the cake. It's another scene that ends with Alice Cooper with somebody choking out somebody else. So in this case, Alice Cooper is choking the Chris. Yeah, Fleming it's like Chilla season. Every every scene ends with someone getting into a physical altercation. I, exactly. <laughs> um, but he's like a cable access TV technician trying to brainwash the world. If, if for some reason, somehow, that's how this scene w- operates. He like. Has all these people with He's like proto the... VR fucking glasses on? Well, that are, like, while because j- one of the best love songs ever written is playing in the background, yeah, yeah. right? He's it spo- makes no sense. It makes no sense. He's supposed to be the Sun King. Yeah, dude. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Should we try? I want to. I saw a part of it. Let me see if I can find it. But that I think that for me is the most like egregious and ridiculous and over the top absurd parts of the whole album for sure. Yeah. Um are Alice Cooper and the Bee Gees the original Hollywood vampires? Uh yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like fit, like um, as the joke but also like were the Bee Gees part of that drinking club where they Oh, interesting. did horrible things above the Rainbow Room? Oh, that's interesting. Maybe. I know Ringo was. Okay. I'm getting some key plot points here. It's so weird, though. We hate love. We hate you. Oh, well, he's got like a Hitler youth. We got some Hitler Look youth. Look at these Aryans. They're all Aryans. It's fucked up, dude. There's a whole room of people doing vaguely Nazi shit with blonde hair. Yep. Shouting, we hate love. We hate joy. We love money. And then they have these VR, or no, they have headphones, and then they watch this. Yo, this is some Tim and Eric shit. This is (laughs) some Tim and Eric shit. Look at how nuts this is. Oh, my God. (laughs) So his face is just an orb in the center of the room. It's all distorted. There's, like, gold lamé. Oh, my God. (laughs) He looks like a Ghostbuster, like... Uh, With the Undertow album cover behind him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's all we get from this wow. But I just wanted to, that's a little a little taster there, you know? I, I Is that a highlight? Is it a low light? What is art? I don't know anymore. I've completely been broken down. It's, I, the, it's my fuck you moment on this record. <laughs> <laughs> the visual aid does help, but it still sucks real bad. Oh, yeah. it definitely does. Um, but that is astounding. Could, could we jump back real quick? That uh, Just talk about fixing a hole real quick. That George Burns' performance is uh, actually not really that off-putting compared to some oh, of the other. Oh, I think it's off-putting. <laughs> no, c- compared to something, something like his vocal is way better than than Farina's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. Wait, he's not even a vocalist. Yes. He's just an actor. But that song is kind of like a m- m- mumble song anyway, so 
that's something that he could sing. I get. I mean, he just <laughs> talks. Yes. But so does John Lennon in the original. Right. Yeah, and so does Steve Martin. Right. So does like half the vocalists on this on this album. Mm. Uh, I did not care for the George Burns fixing a hole, but it was a <laughs> no. it was a it was a delightful little novelty. I never. I'm glad to know that it exists. That George Burns did a Beatles cover, uh, but I didn't like it. Yeah, no, I definitely did not like I, it. Don't confuse what I said. I didn't say I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would never accuse you of liking it, Joe. I'm, I'm but then because it just com- completely blows it out of the wall, you forgot that you just heard George Burns because because it's so bad. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to, you know, it's it's like a, he's well, I mean, he's using that song literally to brainwash Nazi youths. Yeah, uh, dude. And it is what? destroying my brain. It is really <laughs> fucking ridiculous. And again, it's it's just such a weird... There's so many like like extreme tonal shifts in the movie that are like okay now we're choking out Peter Frampton now we're choking you know we're threatening to kill you know Steve Martin is threatening to kill a woman and now we're stealing a coronet from somebody for some reason like there's so many just this whiplash between ideas and between emotions that any emotional weight feels completely unearned like you didn't there's no reason to like have of Hitler youth, you know, <laughs> fucking like gesticulating in pretty clear uh, mimicry of the Aryan nation in a room watching, you know, fucking Alice Cooper in an orb like descend into madness. Like there's no, there, there's nothing, nothing in the music, nothing in the, you know, pathetic impersonation of a storyline to lead us there. And so. I, it is it is mind blowing that it was made, but you can't. I mean, I don't know how to put the pieces back together. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is actually literally blown, and uh, you know, cascading around me in pieces. And there's still so many songs left. Oh my do. god, let's fucking there go. Se- there are let's, seven songs left. There are seven songs. This is insane. This is insane. All right, let's fucking do three more and then four more because I can't continue. <laughs> To do this, uh, can we do four at a time and then three at a time, or like well, who four, cares? Four, four at the end because the last one is just another reprise. So. Okay, all right. Well, whatever. Yeah, I mean, these three next now. three, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you my commentary definitely drops off pretty significantly at this point too. So all right, so um, we... as uh, you know, alongside my patience, <laughs> we got the death of Strawberry, which is Golden Slumbers and Carry That Weight, and that's by the boys, Peter Frampton, the Bee Gees. <laughs> the boys. Uh, come together by Aerosmith. And uh, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, which I think is the Bee Gees and Frampton and George Burns. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Smiles away you when you rise. Sleep pretty darling, do not cry. And I will sing. Oh, 
fucking this is when I start to lose it like the fucking <laughs> being for the benefit of Mr. Kite can one of you guys give me context for why this song happened in the first place like what is the story behind the song because it doesn't make any fucking sense I don't know John Lennon John Lennon basically saw it on a poster like an oh old an old tiny poster it said for the benefit of Mr. Kite and thought that was a really cool line turned into a song mm. a song that is just like uh, like a, a series of words it's it's a throwaway song. For, it's a throwaway yeah. song. It's okay. one of it's one of those Sgt. Pepper songs where I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I don't like it this happens. album. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is that they're the kind of lyrics that might give a coked up cavalcade of lunatics the idea that they could replicate the stories in a visual way because they're just so simple and direct about like what's happening. Like it it doesn't actually matter and there's no like crescendo, but it's just like a Susian fantasy world where people jump on trampolines and stuff and. I guess I can understand why it might be cool to like think about making an animation of it or something. Or yeah. no. I, I think this was just an example of the Beatles like trying to do something wacky with a record and really ex- use the studio as an instru- instrument. So like, we'll make a circus song. Yeah, yes. that's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, well. It's more of an experiment than it is a song. Right. You know? Yeah, but I think it just does. Like this movie maybe is more it... of an experiment than a fucking movie. And... Yeah, and th- and therefore maybe it does actually fit the aesthetic of the movie better than any other song on yes. the entire album. I think you're right Well, there. considering it's all just like washed up, like seemingly already washed up teen <laughs> idols floundering around performing music in a fashion you know, reminiscent of a six-year-old dressing up in their mom's high heels, except it's it's not cute. Like, minus yeah. the cuteness. Well, yeah, it's especially, I mean, we didn't even mention, we talked about how hot Frampton is, but, like, the Bee Gees Ooh, are yikes. not attractive men. Yikes. Uh... They're bursting with chest hair, though. <laughs> they are bursting with chest hair. Oh, yeah. But, like, they're not, like, this is not... They have to code themselves as masculine somehow because it's not happening any other way. They just get a... <laughs> um, Sculpted gardens of their fucking chests. So, so Golden Sum- Summers and Care That Weight is like much in the same vein as uh, You Never Give Me Your Money, which even though... But now we have Frampton singing it, although poorly, not as, not as bad as the other songs. Um, I also... Uh, this version of uh, Come Together... What, I thought I remember this being a cooler version than it is. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, because they play and it on the radio all the time. Yeah. Well, do they play this version of it? Yeah, they do. I'm uh, like, it is widely WFNX considered WFNX or, or <laughs> WROR. Okay. When this song was coming out, I was like, all right. I mean, I don't really like Aerosmith. But I know this is a good version of the song, and I heard it, I was like, no, nah, the Michael Jackson version's better. Yeah. I mean, it is widely considered to be the best song in the album, alongside the Earth, Wind, and Fire song, which makes sense because honestly, they're the only two songs that have hit puberty on the entire <laughs> album. But that's all I can really say about yeah. it. I mean, even still, it, it feels very phoned in. They were just in the wrong place at the right time. Mm. <laughs> and they ended up on this album <laughs> and in this movie. Um, the Golden... What is it? Golden Slumbers? Yeah. yeah uh, Golden Slumbers is... I, I could barely recognize. Yeah. I was like, what? I don't remember this song. Because it's, it's just so... So, like just smoothed out and and like ridiculously like sickly sweet lush compared to the original. Mm. It's just uh, like that chest hair. That's the one Bee Gees 
Frampton track on the album that I did not care for. Really? That was yeah. where you drew the line? I yeah. just thought it was fucking boring. Well, like, that was the, I kept the first asleep. one. There's one coming up that also was and bad. Then, and then the carry the weight part just didn't hit the same as, like, they were, like that's supposed to be like an emotional explosion, like, right. on, the, on Abbey Road. And yeah. There's nothing emotional about it in this version. No. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that one was sleepy for me. I felt like, you know, I like was about to drift away but every time I was just about to like finally nod off all of a, all of a sudden I see Alice Cooper like thrusting in a kale- kaleidoscopic spiral of terrible graphics like ah I'm awake ah, I'm, I'm still here um but it's it's not good, and it's still it's all again it's putting it all on Frampton, and I just think that you know maybe the fact that dude had golden retriever hair and sang a few songs competently like wasn't quite enough justification for having him hold up the very consider carry the considerable weight of mm. this you know coke fueled delusional overstuffed vanity jerk off like it just doesn't doesn't make it for me. Man, yeah, that's. <laughs> Succinct. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I mean, I'm nothing if not succinct. Well, Two hours into this we'll recording, try bring, <laughs> we'll try to brainstorm real quick. Who should have been the main person on this project? Nobody should. Have, this project shouldn't have happened. Of course, but like, if it had to happen, if it, it had, had to, to happen. happen. Who had charisma from Bowie? P Funk? Bowie. Bowie. It has to be 1978. Yeah. Mm. Dude, get P-Funk to do it. I swear to God. Like, get P-Funk to do, like, a, an Afrofuturist fucking, you know, version of this shit. I mean, they were psychedelic, and they were disco, and they were soul, and they were fucking rock and roll, hardcore, and they were mm. really excellent musicians, and they could have reinterpreted this and made some fucking weird art out well, of it. I think they they weren't trying to reinterpret it. They were trying to improve it, right? Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are probably, again, the only band at that time who would have probably been capable of doing that, of improving it. I think they could have. Um, you know, I wake up most mornings, I think, how can I fix the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what Rivers Cuomo wakes up. Oh, something. no. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? What what's your answer to that question? Uh, who who should it have been? Probably, I mean, Bowie's just the first person that comes to, yeah. to mind. Um, what was Bowie doing in '78 though, or like Prince? Probably really cool shit. And yeah, not yeah. doing this. Bowie was doing like heroes. In this <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, yeah, all I mean, of the artists that would have been good at reinventing this and making it better were doing way other cool. They were reinventing music yeah. and making it better yeah. already. They didn't need to go back to the Beatles. I think it has to be exactly. an English person though. So that's why I, I vote vote Bowie. If 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 we're in the spirit of the really misguided or like Led Zeppelin I just don't think I think Zeppelin all was on their way out though, I think at that all time the, all the bands who could have done a good job like there's no way they would have been excited about it because it's just a fucking dorky idea yeah it's really dorky, dorky. remake it's fucking Sgt. Peppers <laughs> into a movie like what like 12 years after a kid. Taylor Swift, let me let me lay this out for you, Taylor. All right, listen, we're going to have you sing a song and be a cat. <laughs> yeah, it's cats. You're right. It's cats. It is cat. It's the same it's the same mindset as cats. Yeah, it's like it's like Except arguing the about oh, what actors better. what actors could have made cats good. Right, it's a it's <laughs> a mute, it's a moot point. It is absolutely. I mean, and, and, and least with the the you know in the case of this album, the the source material, a lot of it is good. Not all of it, as we're mentioning, you know, most accurately, of it. but most of it is good. Cats, the source material is just atrocious. So mm. it doesn't even have that going for it. 
Um, but they were, you know, similar fantastic flops. Mm. And there's that's what if if nothing else, that's what the show is all about. It is the, sh- the how do you pronounce it? The Schadenfreude? 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 I don't know how to pronounce it. Schadenfreude. But whatever it is, Schadenfreude. Freud, Schadenfreude, <laughs> of um, watching spectacular failures with 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 mountains of money and drugs and uh, ambition and uh, very little talent or story or you know passion. It's just a bad idea. It's it not going to work for anyone. Come on, it's uh, you know just don't just leave the Beatles shit alone. <laughs> just leave it alone. Yeah. It's a time capsule of like the most perfect music of its time. And uh, it's going to sound, Harrison it's gonna sound fucking corny if you do it any other time. Now, Sorry. Worth, worth noting, this was the first try, right? Like post-Beatles breaking up of them saying, let's revitalize this. So I think this set the blueprint for us to now reflect and go, whoa, don't do that. Like, yeah. yeah, don't do don't it. Don't do it. It keeps happening, though. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a musical about Nirvana performed by Papa Roach. No, I was thinking. Um, Car- <laughs> I was thinking Carly Rae. Carly Rae Jespin. It does it right. Let's have them recreate Nevermind <laughs> as a story. <laughs> I as was a al- musical with tap dancing and 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 villains and. I was already thinking it should be the downward spiral. <laughs> and Carly Carly Rae Jespin doing the downward spiral as a movie. Oh, dude, that's <laughs> talk about your fan base. They would go crazy for that. <laughs> the Have a Nice Life fan base would go crazy for a Carly Rae Jepsen Nine Inch Nails musical. God, that's no, no, <laughs> no. We should do Myself nothing included. of the sort. We should do nothing of the sort. All right. No, yeah, you're. Uh, I, I actually, I, I like the the Papa Roach Nirvana. That yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. That's a good one. Wait, yeah. is Papa Roach still a band? They are. They 20, are. Get that the fuck uh, out of Last here. Resort uh, just hit its twentieth, twenty first birthday. Holy shit. All right. Well, uh, we have four songs left. We're gonna do them all. Do them all. Do them all. Let's. <laughs> yes, all four of them up right now. Woo! I gotta feel that shit. Ooh, let's go. All right. So this is Peter Frampton's "The Long and Winding Road," followed by Bee Gees' "A Day in the Life," followed by Billy Preston with "Get Back," and then fucking all tied up with another reprise of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So let's go ahead and fucking listen to it. Has left a pool of tears Crying for the day Why leave me standing A crowd of people stood and stared They'd seen his face before Nobody was really sure if he was from the house of love I saw a film today, oh boy The English army had just won the war
<laughs> All right. <laughs> we have not enjoyed the show. We are indeed grateful that it's time to go. And that is the most celebrating that I've done uh, in two hours. Because <laughs> at least now this shit is fucking over. Fucking Christ. That was, it was bad. It was bad. Are we gonna, do we want to talk about any of the songs or just? I mean. Well, The Long Winding Road's kind of a shit song anyways. So oh, yeah. it's I mean, a definitely a shit song when Frampton does it. Oh, it's yeah. It's already a shit song when McCartney does it kind of. Come on. Yeah. Um, Day in the Life. Uh, they ruined it. Yeah, it's weird that like I feel like they put a lot of extra care to preserving the structure of the original song, even though they still blew it. Yeah, they blew um, it. Uh, Get Back, ironically, well, not ironically, but it's weird that Billy Preston was on the original recording of Get Back and now is singing yeah. the new version of Get Back. Yeah. And it's still not good. It's still not good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> like, how that ha- You actually got somebody who played on the original song yeah. to, to do the song. And wasn't he Sergeant Pepper? Yes, yeah. So that's what I was, I was looking. I was like, who is Billy Preston? And I was trying to figure out who is he in this film. And his note in the Wikipedia article is Billy Preston as the magical Sergeant Pepper Golden Weather Vane come to life, which is that says everything yeah. you need to know about um, this movie and this album. I well, mean, he's the magical is... Negro in Peter Frampton's it, death it, dream. Exactly. It, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that is correct. That is exactly what that is. Yeah, and it's still one of the best songs in the album because yeah. it's you know it's Billy Preston it's and he fine. sounds good. It's not as good as some of the Frampton Bee Gees songs, but I disagree completely. I love the, the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees delivery. I I wrote here the post nasal drip delivery. <laughs> <laughs> the, the oh yeah, thin, I think the drips all right. The thin and tinny, like you know, it, they're so. They're, that's why they're so fucking skinny. They were emotionally and vocally and physically like just. D- two-dimensional skinny yeah. <laughs> and i mean they were getting by on a steady co- diet of like coke and barbiturates and tab cola but like you know <laughs> i just there's no there's no emotional weight and there's no like physical vocal or physical weight on this mm. on this album unless occasionally you get a little bit of emotion from you know an earth wind and fire or a fucking you know Aerosmith or like or the guy who talks like this <laughs> right right let's just when quit. I get older you'll what? be taking care of me my little pet <laughs> when I'm 64 in three weeks <laughs> two decades ago actually <laughs> wasn't it George Burns oh no it was the no. other one so Whatever. I'm not, I'm not often an optimist and I can can attest to this but let's let's talk about <laughs> very quickly because it's not gonna take long the good things about this album <laughs> oh, we don't do that on this show oh. <laughs> well you had mentioned that you liked the reprise there at the end and I liked the reprise too that yeah. was the best version sure. of it it was yeah. full disco yes full on yes you yes. know the the pageantry of disco um, I want this bass player on this record to give me lessons on how to play the bass guitar uh, he's incredible or she's incredible yeah um You'll have to settle for harmonies. the guy from Blue Oyster Cult. The Bee Gees kill it the with the Beatles are, harmonies. They, only the harmonies, though. Yes. Not the solo vocals. The solo, oh. solo vocals on this album are pretty fucking yeah, trash. But the harmonies are good. Yes. The I mean, the Bee Gees were absolutely the, yeah. the sum of their parts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do like the recording. I think it's it's not a completely crazy coked out seventy eight recording. It's just like kind of like a dry normal well, George, recording. George Martin. George yeah. Martin. Yeah. It's um, yeah. Doing his job. It's yeah. Competently 
the levels are good. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> there are some, I mean, I would say in the movie itself, the levels are not good. Oh, it, really? When you actually watch it in the movie, mm. it's like everything is recorded underwater, but the soundtrack is mastered, Yeah, uh, you know, competently. But yes, they managed to make Beatles songs sound bad, which is... Yeah. Yeah. I feel like... It's like easier than you think, though, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like it's pretty easy to make Beatles songs sound bad. Yeah. You know, like, it is, they walk a thin line between, like, transcendent genius and, like, just ultimate cornball status. Mm. I'm just talking about, you know, from the perspective of, you know, 2020, and with the, all the music that's come after them, if you attempt to recapture the spirit of the Beatles now, it's not going to come off as genuine. Did any of you watch yesterday? Because I heard no. it was absolutely terrible. Really, I heard I've heard mixed things. No, really. Like, but nobody who liked it is a fan of the Beatles. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I putting think the pieces a, together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're a fan of the Beatles, you can't like this album. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And you can't like this movie. I mean, yeah. the, I, but the I want to see the whole movie. It looks fucking I bonkers. I don't. But it's like we mentioned. We were, we well, you were, saw Cats. I'm not going to see I Cats. Saw I will cats. instead of seeing Cats see Sergeant Pepper's. All right, so, stoppy. You heard it here. We'll do a Patreon about it or something. But, but <laughs> no, we won't because we haven't gotten any reviews. Nobody wants to torture us to want, to listen to all of Lil B's fucking discography, by the way. But I've been paying attention, Stoppies. That's fine. It's you, fine. You touched on this, Mike, and, and I touched on it a little bit too, though. Like, the, it, I, we all touched on this. Like, this was the first attempt of doing the Beatles post Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. So Frampton and the Bee Gees died so we can live, I feel, with, with this. Frampton's still alive. <laughs> yeah. I was... Me, their careers. Died. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They're dead. Yes. They're dead careers. Yes. Correct. Yeah. I, I hope everyone, you know, I hope history does not repeat itself again. I mean, you know, we are the fungus yesterday... of the musical world. We live off of the death of, of, of music and various artists' careers. It is, it's true. We butter our bread with the... <laughs> Schmear of fucking <laughs> ill-fated collaborations yeah. <laughs> and recreations. Yeah, it's 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 a bad scene. It's a bad scene. Is it the worst scene we've uh, you know we've discussed on the show? Definitely not. But it's still for sure bad. Um, and all of our hemming and hawing. Let's make it clear. This is a bad album. But how bad? Let's let's rate it. Let's talk about it. Um, so Joe, as our esteemed guest, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been so much yeah. fun. Thanks, Joe. Um, you're fantastic. And um, so you, as our guest, you get to decide what we rate every album on the show on a scale of zero to negative five because it's they're all bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare that we'll break the scale. And we do it zero to negative five of something that's relevant in some way to the album that we're discussing. So you, as our guest, you get to go first if you would like, and you also get to pick the quantifier. Okay. Um, I give it negative three eight balls. Yes. <laughs> so it's negative 24 <laughs> balls. Uh, um, it's definitely better than I thought it was going to be. I had some very low expectations for this as a big Beatles fan. So that being said, they murdered my favorite band. <laughs> right. But they could have done it worse is my point. Yeah. All right. Seems very fair. Honestly, I'm going to jump right into that and say that I will agree with you. I think if you can give it a negative three, then I can certainly give it a negative three. There, um, the biggest problem with this album is its length. 
It's mm-hmm. fucking, it's inexcusable. But the only reason it's that long is because they inexcusably made a movie of it. And so mm-hmm. if I was going to rate the movie, I'm sure it would be much lower. But the songs themselves are not the worst. Um, they're confounding. Um, some of them will be seared into my memory and my retinas uh, for all of time, specifically that fucking Alice Cooper fucking <laughs> nightmare. Um but overall, I don't think it is the worst. And I do like the Bee Gees. I don't like Peter Frampton, unfortunately. I do think that he is a very weak spot. But I love um, Earth, Wind & Fire. And I, I think the Aerosmith cameo is entertaining. So let's give it a negative three, eight balls. Negative 24 balls, <laughs> if you're being specific. Oh, guys, we're in the hand-holding club here. Oh, I'm gonna go this with, never happens. I'm going to go with negative three uh, eight balls as well. Th- negative three-eighths uh, <laughs> of an ounce. I don't think I can... I think you guys have basically said what I was going to say, which is uh, there's some decent people involved in this, you know, people with decent musical histories and legacies, um, but it's a piece of shit. Uh, you know, they don't, they can't pull it out of the muck. Uh, it's a terrible idea. It never should have happened. Uh, no one could have saved this. Don't cover the Beatles. Don't do musicals with the Beatles music. It's a bad idea. Yep. Uh, this just goes to show. Negative three. All right. <laughs> Great. Well, that was amazing. I don't think that's ever happened on this show before. Nice. I don't think we've ever all agreed. But I'm glad we went through this experience and this ordeal together. Um, And again, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. We'd love to give you an opportunity to plug anything that Have a Nice Life has coming up or uh, your many other projects. Anything that you want to plug. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, It was a lot of fun being here today. I love talking about music, even bad music. Um, You're really good at it, actually. (laughs) You're, like, really good at it. We'll have you back. I'm very nerdy about uh, music. I'm very nerdy about the Beatles. So this was uh, a no-brainer for me. Um, Sorry to make everybody listen to a two-hour uh, record that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right, actually. But the, Joe, the, I don't like you yeah, anymore. The, pod, the podcast was longer than the album. <laughs> In terms of plugs, um, I will be uh, performing with uh, Dan Barrett of Giles Corey uh, in Tilburg at Roadburn Festival in the Netherlands. Uh, we, uh, you should be looking forward to some uh, new music from him in the near future, um, as well as some repressing of his albums. Uh, Have a Nice Life right now is on a, a little bit of a self-imposed hiatus, but we'll be back around soon. All right. Guys, check it out. Have a Nice Life, uh, Sea of Worry, one of my favorite albums of 2019. Fuck yeah. Uh, everyone check that out. All Joe's pro- projects are great. Well, thank you for taking this ride of ours. Yeah, this has been quite a ride. (laughs) Quite a ride. So thank you, Stoppies, once again, for continuing to support us. You can still participate in the Lil B challenge. Uh, (laughs) We're calling it the Lil Lil B B challenge challenge now? Yes, we're calling it. It's hashtag Lil B challenge. Dude, should we get this trending so, like, like 13-year-olds, like, get sick and have to go to the hospital <laughs> for staying up for 50 hours straight listening to Lil B because of us. Yes, yes. Keep The record shows that, uh, yes, I instigated this terrible idea. Uh, if we get 10 five-star reviews with comments on Apple Podcasts, uh, 
up until February 10th, uh, we will listen to all of Lil B's discography straight for 50 hours. Uh, but you guys are, are fucking up with that so far. So that's, it bodes well for us. So we're very happy. Um, thank you. Please don't review us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I no, review value us. value myself. Anyway, um, you can listen to us and find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else. You can find all of our archive of episodes at www.makeitstoppodcast.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Make It Stopcast. Send us an email. We love our emails and we love our fans so much. Um, shout out again to Ill Omened from Pennsylvania, Ill Omen 666, who said that we were true heroes for doing our Worst of the Year episode. We're glad that you liked it. We appreciate your support. Shout out to you and to everybody else who continues to follow us and support us and give us feedback on the internet. We love and appreciate you. So we will be back next week with The Worst of Madonna. We'll be coming back, but that's a special uh, Heather and Mike exclusive. No guests for that one, so that'll be fun. And then we have some really fun stuff coming up for you in March, Stoppies. Uh, but you'll have to wait to hear more about that. So um, thanks again for listening to us. We appreciate you a lot, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. The Make It Stop podcast is recorded at the Boston Free Radio podcast studio located at Somerville Media Center in Union Square in Somerville. It is produced and edited by Heather McCormick, and the music that we use for our show has been produced by Patrick Ahern. Thanks for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.